We'll turn, if you would, this evening to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. I know it doesn't happen every week, and it, I guess, never has to happen in order for it to be okay, but it is somewhat encouraging and refreshing sometimes when the songs we sing line up just almost perfectly with the message that's about to be preached, especially when I didn't say anything to Brother Randy as to what I would be preaching, and so I appreciate the songs tonight. I know that uh, I won't remember all of them, but uh, the song that we sang, Nothing Between, uh, I think we'll see more in just a moment, that that has everything to do with us and not him. Uh, because if there is something between us and the Savior, it's not because of anything he's done wrong. It would be because of something we've done wrong and allowed sin in our lives. And then to sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back, though none go with me, the world behind me still I will follow. Uh, it's a powerful song, and I know that we've talked about that before, but to make that kind of a statement, and then the final song, I can't remember the title of it. Somebody help me. Come on, you just sang it with me. Somebody? Huh? Wherever he leads, I'll go. And again, that's a pretty powerful statement, and... Uh, I don't want this to come out like a jumbled up mess, but I was visiting with one of the kids on the way to church this evening because I rode with them and uh, or we were in the car together. And I was just making this statement. I said, of most of the people who start the Christian life, for lack of better words, for those who start the Christian life, most will never finish. They just won't. They'll start... They may give a real good performance for a while. They may look nice and shiny and bright. But give it time, here's what will be true. Most will fade and fizzle. And there will be the has-beens and the used-to-bees. And, and it won't be something that lasts until their final breath. It's because something got between them and their Savior. It's because they didn't really decide to follow Jesus, no turning back. And again, I've already lost the third song or the fourth song, but we're not going to go. People will not go wherever he leads. And uh, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. And so tonight I, I hope the message is a help to us because here is what I know. I know that we've got young people who need this message. There is no doubt in my mind there are young people in our church tonight who need this message, but I know this, there are grown-ups my age and older who need this message. And so as we go through this, just listen and don't assume that it's not for you because I promise it has been and it will be and will probably continue to be until you take your final breath. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight, and Lord, I am thankful that we can be here. And Lord, I know I say that so often, but tonight is just, just one of those things that you've confirmed in my mind that we need this and we need the time together and we need the challenge of your word. And I pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts, God, that you would help it 
to sink deep into our hearts and minds and that we would listen, that we would give attention and that we would apply this in the way that we ought. God, I pray for the young people of our church and I pray for everyone above them in years, God, that you'd help us to listen, to listen, to listen, to listen, and to know that we need it, not just someone else needing it. So I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, as I begin this message, I'm going to begin with a thought that I have mentioned at times past. It just seems to be inevitable after all these years that certain themes and certain thoughts are going to be repeated. But tonight I want us to think about this truth that over the course of our lives we will make hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of decisions of some sort. We make so many decisions throughout a day that we really many times don't even think about the decisions we're making because it's just what we do. And so as I've mentioned before in times past, you understand this to be true, that so many of the decisions we make really are not important. They really are not significant. There is really not a great bearing uh, in our lives based on what we decide to do in certain areas. And all I mean by that is this, what outfit you decided to wear today really will not matter in eternity. The fact that I chose this tie over another tie, I mean, it's, it was a choice I made, it was a decision that I made, Susie didn't make that one for me, but still you understand it's a choice I made, but in eternity, who cares? And how long I took a nap this afternoon really not a major important issue by way of eternity, but that was a choice that I made to lay down, take a nap, and when to wake up. And you understand how this works. So many choices and decisions we make just doesn't matter. But as we go through life, you know this to be true as well, that sometimes we have to make decisions that are significant. We have to make decisions that are big. And here's what we understand the older we get that whenever we have to make these decisions that are significant, when we have to make these decisions that are important, we realize better the older we get that it's not just us who is affected by the decisions we make. There are going to be many other people who are affected by the decisions we make. Are we listening? We understand this, right? We understand that it's no longer just me who will be impacted by this. My spouse will be impacted. My kids will be impacted. My, my future is going to be changed and altered in one way or another. And so when we come to these crossroads in life where we have to make these big decisions, I don't care who we are, here's what happens. We start to run all these different scenarios through our minds, don't we? Well, if we do this, then this is going to happen. And if we do this, this could possibly take place. And if this happens, well, this could turn out this way. And and sometimes we think about the pros and the cons, do we not? Okay, so if we do this, well, here's a positive. And if we do this, there's another positive. But, but you know, honey, we got to think about this. If we do this, then this isn't positive, and we could really run a risk here. And, And so we've got all these thoughts swirling through our minds But we finally make a decision. Something kind of pushes us over the edge. Whatever direction we decide to go, whatever decision we make in that particular moment of life, 
Something pushes us over the edge, but again, we also know this to be oh so true. That just because we've made a decision doesn't mean it was an exciting decision to make. And just because it was a decision that was made and we feel like we've made the right decision for that moment, for that circumstance, not only does it mean we're not excited about it, it doesn't mean as well that there's not some fear associated with it. Maybe some reservation associated with it. Have you ever been there or is that just something I've dealt with? We've been there, haven't we? We've kicked around all the possibilities. We've weighed out all the pros and cons. And we finally get to a point where we say, okay, here's what we're doing. And we're not excited. We're not thrilled. Maybe we're nervous. But it's what we go with because we believe it's the right thing to do. Now, as we keep that in mind... This evening I want us to look in Exodus chapter 2. We'll get to Hebrews chapter 11 in a little while. I just want us to consider some things that most of us know, but maybe not everyone does. Maybe not everyone knows it as well as we think we do. And so as I reference these things, I want us to have read them first so that you know that I'm telling you what the Bible says. So in Exodus chapter 2, we understand in verse number 2 it says, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Now again, most of us understand who is being referenced here and who is being talked about. This is the parents of Moses and Moses himself and his birth, and how when he was born, he was a goodly child, he was a handsome child, he was a beautiful child, and so she hid him, and the parents, of course, hid him for three months. And it says in verse number 3, and when she could not longer hide him, she took, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, or the river's brink. And so here's what happened. Whenever the mother of Moses could no longer hide Moses, she put him in this ark that she had built, that she had constructed, She placed it in the stream, and she let the current of the stream begin to carry that uh, that ark that Moses was in. And it says in verse number 4, And his sister stood afar off to wit or to watch what would be done to him. So in verse number 5 it says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags... She sent her maid to fetch it. Now, we don't know how far this ark with Moses in it had drifted before it got caught up in the flags or maybe the bank of the river that he was in. But it says in verse number 6, And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, that being Moses, who had been watching from a distance to see what would happen, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. 
So in verse number 10 it says, And the child grew, and she, that being the mother of Moses, brought him, that being Moses, unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, verse number 10 is very important, that little statement, again, that most of us are familiar with, most of us are aware of, but it says in verse number 10, and he became her son. Legally now, Moses was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This was not just, I'm going to be a foster parent or something of that nature. No, Moses was now legally, officially the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now turn, if you would, over to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Many, many years have passed by the time you get to Acts chapter 7, of course, and much has happened in the lives of the Israelites or the Jews or the Hebrews. And so some history is being reviewed in chapter 7. And if you look in verse number 20, it reads these words. It says, In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair. And nourished up in his father's house three months. So we see the agreement between the account of Acts and the account of Exodus chapter 2, right? Okay. So it says, And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. So again, we see the agreement here between the account of Acts 7 and Exodus chapter 2. So it says in verse number 21 that he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he was nourished up uh, as her own son. And it says in verse 22, And Moses was learned or taught or instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. You know this. I'm not surprising you with this. But the scripture makes fairly clear that Moses lived a privileged lifestyle. As a result of becoming the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he lived a life that no Hebrew child in their day was ever going to possibly live. So he had education, he had influence, he had power. The scripture again says that he was mighty in words and in deeds. Some suggest that Moses in the early years of his adult life, would have been an army or would have been a captain in the army of the nation of Egypt. And so here is Moses for all these years. He is enjoying this life of pleasure. He is enjoying this life of ease. He is enjoying a life of privilege. He is enjoying what, again, the Hebrew children would have only dreamed of living. So as you keep all that in mind, now turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23, the verse we dealt with last week, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses. So we understand that the attention has shifted off of the 
parents of Moses to Moses himself in verse number 24. And it says, by faith Moses when he was come to years. What does it mean when it says he had come to years? Well, other portions of Scripture would let us know that Moses was now 40 years of age that the writer of Hebrews is referencing. And notice what it says. It says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused it. What does it mean to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? It just means this. He rejected it. He refused it. He he no longer was willing to identify with it. And he was no longer willing to identify with the, the people of Egypt. And I want us to think about this. If you've never really given it much thought before, I'm sure that most of you have. But whenever Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, as he rejected that title, he also rejected everything that came with it. He rejected everything that came with it. All of the influence, all of the power, all of the fame, everything that came by way of privilege... Whenever he said, I will not be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter any longer, it was not just him disassociating himself with whom he had called mom all these years. He was also rejecting and giving up everything that he had known and everything that he had enjoyed the first 40 years of his life. And so as this transition is taking place, here's what the scripture reminds us of, is that this was not something that was forced upon him. There were no Israelites or Hebrews who came to Moses, Moses, Moses and said, Moses, you have to reject this. Moses, you have to refuse this. Moses, you've just got to do it. That is not at all how it worked. Notice what it says in verse number 25. It says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I want us to think about this tonight. I want to give attention to this truth, this thought, that when Moses reached this age in his life, whenever he was 40 years old, he began to think about some things. He began to uh, contemplate and ponder some things. And here is what Moses did. He made a choice. He made a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to continue to enjoy the pleasures of sin? Or am I going to identify with the people of God and their affliction? Now, friends, I I want us to hear this. That is a major crossroad in Pharaoh's life. This is not, what robe do I want to wear today? What chariot do I want to ride around in this afternoon? At this moment in his life, he is at a crossroad, and he had to choose. He had to make a decision. 
What am I going to do? Am I going to continue to live this Egyptian lifestyle that I've been used to all these years? Am I going to continue to enjoy this life of privilege and this life of ease? Am I going to enjoy this pleasure of sin for a season? Or will I choose to identify with the people of God and their affliction? And we know already from what verse number 24 told us, the choice that he made, he chose to identify with the people of God and their affliction. Now friends, don't assume for a moment that this was not a hard decision for Moses to make. Here is Moses, and over here he's got the palace. Over here he's got the fine garments. Over here he's got the easy lifestyle. Over here he has nothing to worry about by way of safety, by way of protection, by way of provision. There is nothing over here that he has to worry about. And to look over here to the other side, he sees nothing but pain. He sees nothing but affliction. He sees nothing but but just a, a horrible existence for the children of God. So don't think for a moment, well, he reached 40 years old and said, well, i got to make some choices. Will I identify with them or them? Okay, I guess it's you all. No, friends, this is something that he would have had to have weighed out. And it would have been a difficult decision to reach but he made the choice to identify with the people of God I don't want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season isn't it amazing that he even understood what sin was So why is that amazing? He lived in an ungodly culture. Surrounded by ungodly people. Say, well, they had the law. Hold on, get your timeline right. They did not have the law. Moses received the law after the Exodus many years after this, okay? The law had not been given. So much of the revelation that we're used to and we're familiar with had been kept from the children of Israel. And so you think about this. Here is a young man who was, who was raised by his mother, though he didn't know it, for X number of years until he was given back to the daughter of Pharaoh. And so as a toddler and as a young adult and as an adult in his 20s and 30s up to the point of being 40, he is raised in a godless society with the godless people and yet he knows this is a nation and this is a culture and a society that does not honor God and I would rather identify with the people of God than to enjoy this pleasure of sin for a season. So if Solomon had to make this or Solomon if if Moses had to make this decision What pushed him over the edge? What brought him to this place in his life? So notice in verse number 26. This is fascinating. It says, esteeming the reproach of who? Of Christ. Christ wasn't exactly talked about when Moses was alive. You understand this? They were working on such limited understanding. 
compared to what you and I have. But yet there was something in the heart and mind of Moses who understood something about God and who Christ was and who God was. And I don't know how all this worked, but here's what it says in verse number 26, something that helped push Moses over the edge as he was making this decision. Do I identify with the people of God or do I enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season? It says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. What does it mean? To esteem the reproach. The word esteem means this. To consider something. There's an author that I like to read and the way that he put it was this. He said it involves careful thought and not quick to conclusion. Careful thought and not quick to conclude. You understand the picture that's being painted with that simple word? Here's Moses, and he's contemplating it. Over here I have this. Over here I enjoy this. Over here this is provided for me. Here are the pros, but over here, here are the cons. And as he weighs all of it out, he says, or the scripture says of Moses that he esteemed the reproach of Christ. What does it mean whenever it speaks of the reproach? It means the shame and disgrace. You know what Moses realized? He realized that in order to identify with the people of God, there would be some shame involved. There would be some disgrace involved. There would be some humiliation and some embarrassment involved. There would not be a lot of people watching him make this transition in his life and watching him make this decision in his life saying, good for you, Moses, this is a great decision on your part. No, listen, there would be many people who would try to embarrass him, who would try to humiliate him, who would try to shame him, who would try to disgrace him. But it says that as he esteemed this or that as he contemplated this and as he gave all this attention, not rushing to some kind of a conclusion, here is what he determined in his mind. that the reproach or the shame or the disgrace of associating with Christ was greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses said, anything that Egypt can offer me, it's not worth what I gain in choosing to identify with the people of God. So anything that the world would throw at me, anything the world would offer me, anything that the world would dangle in front of me as some kind of an enticement to stay with the people of the Egyptians and to enjoy this pleasure, Moses realized that whatever this world would offer, identifying with the reproach and the shame and the disgrace of Christ was of greater value. So that's one of the things the scripture indicates pushed him over the edge and this decision he made. And then notice what else it says in the last part of the verse. I love this. It says, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. 
What does it mean when the Scripture says here that he had respect unto the recompense? I like this. The word respect in this verse means this. To fix your attention on something. To fix your attention on something. So what did he fix his attention on? He fixed his attention on the recompense or the compensation that he would receive by way of reward for identifying with the children of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. You know what Moses realized? He realized there is a compensation by way of reward for rejecting the things of this world and identifying with the people of God and identifying with Christ and whatever shame and disgrace that may bring. And so what Moses did is this. He fixed his eyes on what would be the recompense or the payment or the compensation by way of reward. This is wonderful, friends. Here is Moses and he's 40 years old. It's okay. Here is Moses and, it's, and he's 40 years old. And God brings him to a crossroad in his life. Moses, you've got to decide. Will you identify with the world? Or are you going to identify with the people of God? Moses had to sit down and think about that one for a little bit. But he came to this conclusion. Whatever it costs me by way of shame and reproach, nothing the world could provide me is worth following Christ. And whenever he made that decision, though difficult the scripture seems to indicate that it was, maybe not real exciting when he told his family in the Egyptian household, I'm identifying with the children of Israel. As he made the choice, because that simple truth pushed him over the edge, that obedience is worth far more than anything the world could give him, he fixed his attention on what would one day be the reward for his obedience. I like that. Now, you don't have to like it. You don't have to get excited about it. And frankly, if you choose not to enjoy this message, it's between you and the Lord. But here's why I like this sermon, and here's why I like what the Bible helped me with this week. There is not one of us who will escape certain spiritual crossroads in our lives. I've already mentioned it, I've already alluded to it, but I'm going to say it again one more time. We have young people in this church right now and God has and God will continue to bring them to spiritual crossroads in their lives. Are we listening to this? 
And they're going to have to make some decisions, and they're going to have to make some choices. These young people here, the ones in the middle section and the ones over to my right, they're going to have to make some decisions. Dad and mom will not always be there to help them with their decisions. And the youth pastor will not always be there to help them. And the pastor will not always be there. And some adult will not always be there to tell them what they need to do. They are going to have to make decisions on their own. It is a requirement of their life. But it's not just them who has to make those decisions. At age 42, here's what I'm reminded of. God still brings me to places in my spiritual life where I have to make decisions. And it's far more significant than what tie I wear on Sunday or how long of a nap I take or where I choose to eat after church. You know this, right? So I can't just look at the teenage boys over here and say, boys, you've got some decisions to make because I've got to look in the mirror and remind myself, boy, you've got some decisions to make. And I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care what stage of life you're in. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you're dealing with, what you're looking at, what you're looking back at. I don't care who we are. Every one of us have some decisions to make as it relates to our spiritual lives. And part of it so many times is this. Will I identify with the people of God? Am I going to do what is right? Or am I going to take the easy way out on this and identify with the ways of the world and enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season? We've got to make the choice. And I'm telling you what I said a few moments ago. If you think everyone who says right now, I have decided to follow Jesus, is going to follow through with it all the way to the end, we haven't been paying attention to modern-day Christianity. Kids go to youth conference and they come back and they tell wonderful testimonies of what God has done with their life. All the grown-ups rejoice because we're thankful and we're excited. And you watch and just a few months later, and what are the young people doing? They're slipping. They're falling back. They're, they're moving away from the commitments they made. Why? Because they've had to make some decisions. They've had to make some choices. And rather than choosing to identify with the people of God, they are choosing to enjoy the pleasures that this world has to offer because they don't realize how short-lived that pleasure will be. Adults go to meetings and they come back from those meetings, whether it be the men's meetings or the ladies' meetings, and they come back and they're fired up and they're charged up. People make decisions. We're going to do this as a family. We're going to stop this. We're going to do this. And it sounds so good. It sounds so wonderful. And yet give it time and they're going to have to make some decisions. Will we follow through or are we going to back away? And I'm just telling you, so many people back away rather than follow through. Because, see, here's what happens. Anytime we choose to do right, there will be some shame and some disgrace and some reproach associated, let's listen, some reproach associated with doing what is right. 
So see, as I come to the crossroad in my life, as you come to the crossroad in your life, here is what is going to serve as a challenge to us. Here is what's going to serve as kind of an obstacle to us. Not only do I want to take the convenient way and the easy way, or am I going to identify with the people of God and the, and the Word of God, the other thing that serves as an obstacle is this. I don't like the shame and the disgrace and the reproach and the embarrassment that it brings my way. I don't want my friends to laugh at me. I don't want my family members to think I'm nuts. I don't want people at work to think I'm some kind of a radical now. And, and so, so many times that serves as an obstacle to people. But here's what our young people need to remember, and here's what I need to remember, and you need to remember, that there is nothing the world can give us that is of greater value than what we receive when we choose to live in obedience to the will of God in our lives. If I do this, I get to have fun. If I do this, I get to have pleasure. If I do this, it's, it's just going to be so exciting and, and, and it's just going to be lots of fun with me and my friends and my buddies and my pals and my, my whatever co-workers, it may, just whatever. It's going to be fun for a while. It will be. Because that's how Satan always packages it. And he packages it the exact same way with us, just a different wrapper. And we've got to remind ourselves, there is nothing this world can give me that is of greater value than what I will obtain by simply being obedient to God's will for my life. See, as I come to that crossroad in my life, it's going to be difficult. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be pros and cons, and I'm going to have to weigh all this out, and I'm not going to like it. I'm not always going to be excited about it, but I've got to remember, hey, listen, this world can give me nothing that is of more value than obedience to, to Christ and, and whatever shame I would be associated or would come my way because of that. And then here's what I've got to do and what everyone else has got to do once we make the decision. We've got to fix our eyes. And we have to have respect for the recompense or the compensation of the reward. Does it make sense? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Okay, that's a good decision to make. Now if I want to stick with it, you know what I've got to do? I've got to fix my eyes on what will be the compensation or what will be the reward for my obedience. Because if I get my eyes off of that, I'll start looking over here to the things of the world. And that's when I'll start drifting back and that's when I'll start going back to the things of this world. Because if I don't keep my focus on this, my attention will be given to something other than what God has for me. And that is when I will start to go back to the things of this world. If you think that that hasn't happened millions of times over, again, you're not paying attention to what happens in modern day Christianity. All across this town, there are grown-ups who were former youth group members of different churches in this community. They were there 
on Sundays. They were there on Sunday nights. They were there on Wednesday nights. They were there at the youth activities on Friday nights. Whatever it was, they were there. But they had to make some choices. And they were hard choices. Those weren't hard. They they were hard for the teenager at the time, I can promise you. The world was tugging on the heart of that 17, 18-year-old kid pretty hard. They don't know what hard times... Shut your mouth. It was hard for them. And I'm telling you, all across this community, there are people who used to be in youth groups, but there came a point where they had to make a decision And as they weighed everything out, they said, well, my goodness, I I don't want the shame. I don't want the embarrassment. I don't want my buddies laughing at me. I don't want my friends making fun of me. I don't want my family thinking I'm going off the deep end. And so here's what they decided. They decided that the treasures of this world, the treasures of this earth are more important than the things of God. And, And it's coming back to bite them, I promise you, all across this community and all across this nation of people who used to be who aren't any longer. Because here's what happened when they made those decisions in youth group. They didn't fix their eyes on the compensation or the recompense of the reward. And I'm telling you, there are also many people now in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and their 60s who made some serious decisions at some point in the past. We're going to do this with my family. We're going to do this as a family. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. It all sounded so good and so wonderful. But they came to a crossroad. And they had to make some decisions. And Satan packaged it pretty good. And they went back to the things of this world. Because they did not really esteem the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt or the treasures of this world. And they did not fix their eyes on the recompense of the reward. I just want to remind us this evening, 15 years old, 45 years old, 65 years old, we're going to be in positions where we have to make decisions. And there is eternal consequence to the decisions we will make. It does not just impact us, it impacts our spouse, it impacts our children, maybe our grandchildren, maybe even our great-grandchildren. We're going to be faced with decisions. Will I identify with God or am I going to identify with this world? And if you and I want to stay faithful to God, then here's what we must do. We must let ourselves be pushed over the edge, so to speak, with this awareness that there is nothing this world can give me that is of greater value than what God can give me. You understand this? If we want to stay faithful to the end, then we have to come to this awareness that there is nothing this world can give me that is of greater value than what God can give me as a result of my obedience. And then once we make that decision, we must Fix our eyes on this truth that God will one day reward that obedience. We don't know when. We don't know how. We don't, listen, we don't know in what way he's going to do it. 
But we must fix our eyes on the compensation by way of reward because if we don't, we'll fall back. We will. And I don't want any of us, I don't want any of us, especially myself, to be the one who used to. The one who had a time in my life where I did, but I don't any longer. I want it to be that all the way to the end, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, though none go with me, still I will follow. Man, that's what I want. But in order to get that, I've got to fix my eyes and be so focused on the reward that I cannot let Satan get my attention with the things of this world. And I'm just reminding us tonight, if you don't need this message tonight, you will need it in the future. You absolutely will need it in the future. And I hope that we'll draw from this whenever we need it. Because if not, you will listen, you will immediately start taking steps backwards. If you don't fix your eyes on the reward. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us. God, as men and women, to consider the spiritual decisions we have to make. Lord, I don't know how frequently they come along. I don't know how often we have to, to deal with this. Maybe some more than others. I don't know. But God, I know that there are some young people right now who are making some decisions. And they're really not in their own best interest. They're kind of walking away from the things of God to enjoy the pleasures of this world. Would you help them to realize tonight that it'll only be for a season and that it will not take them where they want to go? And God, tonight there are probably some young adults and there are probably some older adults tonight who need this message more than we realize. God, I pray that you'd help us to be reminded tonight that this world can offer us nothing greater than what you promised to bless us with when we obey. And I pray that you'd help us to fix our eyes on that and never lose sight of that wonderful truth. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lord